did the monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. What's going on, people? It's your boy, Lewis. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's your boy, Gibby. Happy Halloween. And uh, the introduction song is a monster mash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster. Why not, right? (laughs) It's Halloween, so we thought we'd celebrate like that. A little fun. And uh, last night was a great night. It was. To, To be a Habs fan, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. We loved it. Um, so let's get straight into it because today, uh, we got a pretty good show. We got a guest coming on, Patrick Talon. Uh, we'll introduce him a little bit later on. Uh, so uh, Gibby, what's going on, bud? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, man. You ready to get into it? Yeah. Two game winning streak. I'm starting to, yeah, starting to have a little, have a little bit of faith. Yeah. Yeah. You have faith. I have faith. All right. So let's break it down. What are the biggest positives and the biggest negatives so far? Okay. The biggest positives is that we are finally scoring goals. I think um, we finally got over that little bit of a hump. Now we're putting together a a little bit of a win streak, knock on wood. Um, Positives, that's honestly, (laughs) that's probably like the only like main positive right now for me, in my opinion. I still think that defensively we're not, amazing we've been better over mm-hmm. the past three games but over the the start of the season to now i'd say the negatives are obviously carry price is struggling but carry price is carry price he just needs to snap out of it like we snapped out of it for the <clears throat> sorry my apologies for the scoring and um defense needs to be a little bit of an improvement in my opinion we need to uh get the guys out of the front of the net give Price and when Montoya has the chance to start, which he did yesterday, give them a little bit of uh, vision from for the puck. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much what I got for yeah. that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm almost on the same page. I mean, this team has shown bursts of offense and individual skill. That's a positive. Uh, the another thing is there's a lot of young guys on this team, especially at the forward position. Yeah, and if these kids. Uh, you know, find their game, the Habs could catch fire, and these kids could score a lot of goals. You, you've already seen spurts of it, right? Another positive, I think, I believe, is the zone entries and the way we've controlled the game at times. A lot smoother. Yeah, it's not 100%. still a learning curve for a lot of the players, but it seems like they're finally getting the hang of it, and you could see that we're, we're starting to control games more than, you know, how it was with Michelle Terrien, where it was a dump-and-chase play, defense, play on our heels we haven't really learned how to defend a lead yet though so that's definitely a negative of course Carey Price Mm -hmm. hasn't been Carey Price that's the biggest negative I'm not worried though I think he'll find his game oh for sure that's for sure and uh, another negative for me is just like you touched on his defense yeah 
a lot of mistakes being made, especially in our own zone. Uh, and when you're going to play some of those elite teams in the league, uh, you're going to, you know, they're going to make you pay for it. Yeah. I've seen improved play from Ben and Petrie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not impressed with Alsner's game at all. Like, I don't know. I just don't know if that guy suits our style. He's been better. He's been better. He has been. He's starting to, you know, he look a little bit better, but still not the type of guy who really impresses me. And yeah. once again, probably sound like a broken record, but I hope Schlemko can bring some more speed and balance to this defense. Yeah. Right? And who knows? Maybe a guy like uh, Teramina and Yerebek find their way up here. Yeah, hopefully. We shall see. But we shall see. For, but that, that's pretty much what we have so far. In a nutshell, of the Habs season so far, right? 12 games in or 11 games in, whatever. But I'll tell you one thing, man. How nice was it to see Lekkonen and Houdon score not one, but their first two goals of the season? How good was that? How good did that feel? It, uh, it's definitely a good thing. I mean, <clears throat> you need Lekkonen to start, start off where, well, pick up where he left off from last year. He had a great season last year. I'm pretty sure I said that he was going to score 25 goals this year. Um, hopefully, Houdon can do what he was doing in the AHL and start ripping it up. And then, I don't know, it, it's it's a good thing. I, I like it. Hopefully, everybody else can feed off of, uh, off of the goal scoring that they had last night. Um, but, yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And who yeah, and you know what they've had was nice. They they've had so many chances. Yeah. Leading up to this game, and you just thought it's only a matter of time. And and you you were kind of getting wor- Lekkonen. I wasn't worried about because we've seen what Lekkonen can do, and we know what that kind of pl- what he brings to the table. And uh, he's such yeah. a good two way player. But I'll tell you one thing. I was getting nervous about Houdon. Yeah. It was it was just like. He scored at the AHL level. He's done so much. It's like this was his time, but he, he just hasn't found the net. So I was getting worried about him. But it was amazing to see these kids finally do it. You know, they really needed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I noticed was pretty cool is Charles Houdon. Uh, he does the sign of the cross every time he scores. Yeah, I saw Every that. goal, right? And it's dedicated to his friend uh, Nicholas, yeah. who at one point was a goalie on his team and also a really good friend of his. So he he said that uh, pretty much every goal he scores is dedicated to him. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's kind of a nice thing to see. Yeah. And I don't know. I, it was amazing. I thought that was one of the the highlights of last night is to see those kids really get their season going by not only scoring one but two goals. So I really was happy about that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've been noticing lately is how the the coach has been handling Victor Mete. Do you think the coach is protecting Victor Mete too much? Or do you think maybe this is the right thing to do? I mean, it's not... I don't think he's really protecting him. I'm just... He's kind of just... I don't know. His minutes aren't consistent. But you can't really expect consistent minutes from a kid who's 19 years old at a young age coming into the NHL that and nobody expected him to come into the NHL right away like he has um i don't i'm i'm not 100% sure what julian is doing with him i don't know if it would be protecting him i guess he's just trying to not trying to over exploit him in a way 
So he's he's keeping his confidence there. He's kind of minimizing his overexposure so that people don't read him and be able to see what kind of player he is 100%. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of has that little bit of a unpredictability, I guess, in yeah. a sense. Yeah, I guess. So I don't know. It's it's not a bad thing. It definitely doesn't hurt. You can keep his uh, his confidence going, confidence flowing. And at the end of the day, he's in the NHL. So if he makes a mistake, he's got to pay for it. I'm not 100% sure if maybe Julian sees something in his game that he... Yeah, no, it's, it's no it, secret. He, he he has been making more mistakes lately, yeah, and he's going to make mistakes. Which will come, right? Of course. It, it's just, everybody is going to make mistakes, especially as a young defenseman. You know, he started at, like, you know, some games were 20 to 18. Saturday night was only 11 minutes, and last night was 16 minutes played. Yeah. So I, it's very apparent that he's being used in more offensive situations. I don't think the coach is trusting him right now to play in all situations mm-hmm. i mean i agree with it to a point yeah but still i don't know it's it's kind of a weird gray area uh, i you know we've been saying it all season that he's probably better suited as a ther a third pairing guy a therapist a third pairing guy <laughs> yeah at best he, at best a second pairing guy yeah right um he's and not a, he's not a top not Talk yet, no. And no. it's not easy coming into the league no, as a 5'10", 180-pound, 19-year-old. He's, he's tiny, right? Chance. And you're going up against men every night. Uh, he's done a great job so far. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they decide to do with him. Yeah. Because I'm starting to question it because of the way they're using it now. And it's all going to depend on Schlemko again, of course, if he comes back and is efficient enough to play with Weber. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Mete becomes a London Knight again. I don't know. No, isn't it too late to send him down? No, they can still send him. But they can send him, but it would the first year would yeah. be would be gone, right? Right, but I think it's b- between the 40-something game mark. So they can still send him. It's not too late to send him. So you never know, right? I think it's all going to come down to Schlemko's play here. Yeah. Right. Uh, another guy that we just can't ignore... Mr. Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah. Chucky, fourth liner. Does he deserve a promotion? Or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. To be honest, right now, I say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just because everybody seems to be clicking right now. The goal scoring is there right now. We're on a two-game winning streak. So for the time being, I say you just leave it as it is. But I think a little bit down the line... You're gonna have to promote the kid. Like he looks great. He's he's finally. It looks like he's finally got the pep in his step, and it, he looks like he's finally getting that confidence back. Yeah, for sure. So right now, as is, keep him on the fourth line. He looks good on the fourth line. Obviously, he's not getting the minutes that he needs. Um, but eventually, you're gonna have to promote him. Where we're gonna slot him in? Maybe the second line. We got to see. Yeah, I haven't really had time to look at it, but I think he does. He's worked hard. He's shown his skill. He's scoring goals. He's really starting to look like that 30-goal man again. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to need some top-line minutes. He, he definitely deserves it. Yeah. But I don't think the coach is going to do it unless they probably lose some more games, right, yeah, and they're exactly. lacking offense again. 
Uh, but I think he's done more than enough to earn him another shot at a top line opportunity. Yeah. Um, even if, like, let's say they don't put him on the top line, I, I feel like the coach is going to – he did come out and speak about it today and said that if mm-hmm. he continues to play like this, I mean, he has no choice but to give him more minutes. So I'm sure yeah. he's going to find him spot. But the thing is, on the left side, mm-hmm. everybody is scoring goals on that left side right now, right? Yeah, I mean – so that that's the only thing, and and the coach did mention today that he'll probably put him on the right side of here and there, and mm-hmm. I'm sure he's gonna slowly find more minutes for him somewhere. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if he's he's not. I know this coach is not ready to to completely change up the lines, but he definitely deserves it, and that's a good sign for us Habs fans. Yeah, do I, not I, trade I Chucky. I repeat, do not trade Chucky. Don't. No. Do it. No, it's it's a little bit of a dumb thing to do. Yes, man. I'm like these these rumors with Kreider for Chucky, please don't do it. Trade Placanich for Kreider, sure. <laughs> yeah, no chance. wrong. Take Placanich, take uh Chris Terry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like whoever you want, not whoever you want, but you know, we yeah, got a lot of guys don't. that we can give you, right? But not Chucky. Don't do it. Don't do it. Leave him alone. All right. So another thing, a little bit of controversy is Montoya gets the start last night. And yeah. uh, how do you feel about Montoya getting the start over Carey Price? Uh, I don't know. It's okay. Realistically, Montoya is the backup. You get a backup goalie to start maybe once every, what, nine to 12 games. Um, but um, yeah, Price is struggling. It's evident that he's struggling. So maybe giving him a little bit of a breather to kind of reassess himself, relax, kind of ignore the whole media junk going on right now. Um, Maybe a little uh, therapeutic day off might have helped him. Maybe uh, give him an outside look on the game. See where he can improve and where he's making the mistakes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, I, I was a little bit surprised, but at the end of the day, if it has, if, it, if Julian should be knowing what he's doing, he's a coach, he's a very successful coach. He's won a Stanley cup, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think Montoya having the start wasn't a bad thing for us. And in the long run, it might help carry price. If we what hope, I'm right? saying will help. Yeah, I hope. I mean, I, I was just like you. I was surprised about it. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about Montoya, but he makes me nervous. <laughs> okay, well, his outing wasn't even terrible last night, but he just makes me nervous. Like, every time somebody takes a shot from the point, or I just feel uneasy. Like, oh, yeah, you know, not, like, I don't know what it is. It's not even anything. It's not even, like, a shot at Montoya. It's just the fact that it's a backup goalie. And it's yeah, not no, but price, it's just right? like, uh, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had this feeling about backup goalies. There's something about him. He's, and he's not even that bad of a goalie. He's yeah. Just, I don't know. I just feel uneasy when he's in the net, right? And like you said, hopefully it, it was a rest day for Price. Let him watch from the, the bench, do a little extra work. I know he said he was going to do a little extra work with Stefan yeah. Waite, and they have some stuff they want to work uh, on, whatever it may be. Uh, all I know is this next start for Carey Price is going to be important. It is. He needs to have a good outing. He needs to get his confidence back. We need to get Carey Price back. So this next one is is going to be tough because if he lets in a lot of goals again, this could really hurt him. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
I know he's this pretty strong guy. I don't think it's going to phase him that much. I'm not going to be completely worried about him, but no. I still think that this next start for him personally it's and pivotal. for the team is, yeah, is a pivotal start. It's going to be important. I agree. So it better not be Montoya on Thursday. <laughs> no, man. If it's, it can't be. No, that's it won't a, be. That, it won't no, be. not a chance. Come on. All right. So some interesting uh, interesting week with the Shipachev uh, uh, Shipchev. Yeah, Shipchev, <laughs> whatever. That guy, uh, number one center. Yes. Allegedly. Dodged a and, bullet. And when uh, he was picked up, Berkshire uh, said that uh, George McPhee now has uh, gotten more or has signed uh, more number one centers in the Habs than Bergevin has done. Yeah. Yeah, how did that go work, hey? Hey, hey Berkshire? Berkshire, I respect you, but uh, wrong thing to say here, but... <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, it didn't work out. No. Nobody wanted him. Nobody, you know, took the bait. I guess he, he's just not suited for the North American game. My, no. Mark didn't, wasn't, you know, it wasn't appealing to him either. He thought two years at that price. No, he's not proven anything in the NHL. Probably a waste of money. So that's fine. But another two guys that kind of caught my eye too were uh, Griffin Reinhardt. On waivers. Yes, and Jason Garrison. They squeaked through waivers. Do you think that this was an opportunity lost for, you know, a couple left-handed D-men? Um, Jason Garrison is 32 years old, six foot, 218 pounds. He was undrafted. He has uh, 4.6 mil cap hit, and he has 159 points in 534 games played. Um, I mean, he's not a bad player, and he's he 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 would improve our bottom four D men. In my eyes, I think he would slot in the bottom six or our third pairing. Sorry, um, but four point six cap hit. Like, obviously, we wouldn't absorb that full cap hit, but still, like, he's I don't I don't I don't. I don't. I'm not. I was. Ne- he's. He's past his prime. He's not anything overly special right now. Um. But Griffin Reinhardt, man. Honestly, I. I don't get it. Like the kid's 23, six one, 212 pounds. He was drafted fourth overall in 2012. 37 games played in two points in his NHL career. So in literally five years, he's played 37 games. Yeah. So he's just literally bouncing around. He does well in the AHL. I was looking at his stats. He does pretty well in the AHL. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, when for the time that he was given in the NHL, he just doesn't show up. Like, yeah, he has two yeah. points, right? Yeah, it hasn't It's unfortunate because, yeah. I mean, in the juniors, he had so much. There was a lot of talk about him. There was, he had yeah, so he much was potential. the first-round draft yeah. pick, right? Yeah, so he, like... I mean, I'm surprised he didn't get claimed because of the fact that he's only 23. Yeah, and sometimes he's they just need a fresh start, but so, this is a second fresh start. Yeah, so. so I don't, I really don't understand what what his issue is going on with that guy, man. Yeah, it's 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 a big red flag, I guess. I got nervous. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I got nervous when I seen Garrison because that's a Mark Bergevin type guy. And this yeah. guy's on the heavy decline. He is. He he was a decent player earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. But he's another guy on the way out. Yeah. And there's no room for a guy like that on this team. But I agree with you. Griffin Reinhardt was interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of red flags there, but big left-handed shooting D-man, only 23. 
I mean, eight hundred thousand for the next two seasons. It's it's cheap. Uh, I think if it was me, I'd scoop him. I mean, worst case scenario, what he plays in the AHL? Yeah, like I'd scoop him, and I mean, like Mark always says, you can never have enough D men. So I guess he prefers washed up guys like Mark Strait. I don't know, <laughs> like why not give a chance, right? Yeah, it's for a guy like this, maybe he can reinvent his career here in Montreal, where the pressure is hot. Yeah, I don't know, man. I was really surprised. I liked him. Yeah, I thought. I thought. I don't know. I would have done it. Yeah. I would have given him the same money as Strite. He can't be worse than Strite, that's for sure. No. Just a little bit of depth back there, so I don't know. Nothing wrong with a little bit of depth. He'll probably regret not doing a move like that if a big injury were to happen, knock on wood, to one of our defensemen. Our table's plastic, for what it's worth. (laughs) 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 All right. I'm moving on. So, have a prediction. Yeah. Okay, so last week we said that Price would let in, I said, I think, what, five goals? Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, we lost. (laughs) We were both wrong. (laughs) He let in in a lot of goals, yeah, so we were wrong there. But I did say that they would and they needed to win two out of the three, and they did win two out of the three games like we hoped, so that's a good sign. We needed that, and we're going to need a lot. Of those weeks where they're yeah, winning to go more than they're, yeah, they're gonna have to start winning two out of every three games just to kind of get up there again, and then you can kind of take it game by game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't like to look at the big picture, like you know, people are saying, "Oh man, they got to go like forty-seven and twenty. For like, I don't like to look at it like that. Let's just take it one game at a time. When you look at the big picture like that, it, it seems a lot less possible yeah just listen it's still early in the season we can go on a little bit of a three four game winning streak lose one win another you know just take it one game at a time let the team improve and let's let's uh look at it in in a couple months and then we can talk about what they really need to accomplish yeah two or three for the week sounds a lot more a lot more doable than like 47 a lot more palatable yeah all right plausible Uh, um so (laughs) (laughs) so this week we got, before the next podcast, we got four games. Yeah. We're going to be in Minnesota. On Thursday. Yes. We're going to be in Winnipeg on Saturday. Yeah. We're going to be in Chicago on Sunday. And then mm-hmm. we come back home to play the high-flying Vegas Golden Knights. The lack, the no-goalie. With goalie. the fourth-string goalie. The no-goalie Vegas Knights. <laughs> Maxime Lagasse. Dude, I, what is it? Like, what's going on there? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. All their goalies are getting hurt. Yeah, that's terrible. It's that, it's that air. So what do you think, man? What's going to happen here for the next <clears throat> four games? Uh, I'm saying two and two. I'm saying two and two. We beat Minnesota. We lose to Winnipeg. Hellebuck has uh, found his game. Um, we lose in over... Sorry, I'm going to go two, one, and one, okay? We lose in overtime to Chicago. And then we spank Vegas. Wow. Yeah, spank them. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying 2-1-1, one, and one, too. I think it's going to be tough to go 3-1 and one yeah. with three road games. Uh, I'm hoping for 3-1. and one. That's definitely what I want. Oh, 4-0 and oh is even better. And I think if at worst we can steal a point somewhere, it's not so bad. So I'm going to say 2-1-1 yeah. one, and one this week, but hoping for 3-1 and one and hoping for 4-0, and oh, really. No. But, yeah, that's our... Uh, have a prediction this week. We're not going to go too crazy with it. 
All right, next we have color commentator for Queen's University men and women's hockey and a contributor to All About the Habs, Mr. Patrick Talon. How you doing today, bud? Good, how are you? We're doing great. What's going on, Patty? Not much, so, thanks for having me. No problem, man. So it's been an interesting, interesting start to the Habs season, of course. Um, did you expect this kind of start before the season began? Not really. I wasn't expecting a start this bad, although throughout the offseason, I didn't predict that they'd be a much worse team, uh, given the players that they've lost. Um, but to expect them to go, what are they now, 3-7-1? and one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't expect to start that bad, but I don't think they're... Like, it's like the Mark Bergevin quote, I don't think our record is as bad as it shows, but I don't think we're as good as we once were. And I think that's that's spot on, although you, that's not what you want what you want to hear your general manager say. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, no, and as a Habs fan, that we're used to seeing a team go nine and zero or ten and zero, and with the hot starts with Terry, and so it's almost kind of refreshing to see them struggle a little bit earlier on um, with Claude Julian. But the question is now, will they be able to make up for it later on in the season as they're starting to get a little bit better uh, to make that push for the playoffs? Yeah, exactly, and it, and it's just like polar opposites, right? Because we were so used to getting those hot starts, now we're on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like, is this a good thing? Are we gonna get you know get it together quicker, or is just a bad thing? Are we digging ourselves a hole that we're just not gonna get out of? Yeah. Right, of course, and I think, I think they're trending in the right direction. And I've said it before, like Montreal has a lot of good things going for them. They have a great goalie. They have a top five coach in the league. They've got some really talented forwards. But I think mm-hmm. this go, kind of goes with one of your questions that you had mentioned earlier. Like, the reason they're struggling, I think it has to do with both Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien. Uh, for Jul- in Julien's situation, it's more the lineup he's putting together. I think they have some of the right pieces, but it almost seems like a puzzle that he's not really piecing the right. Like, Galchenyuk on the fourth line, Thomas Placanics, yeah. who's essentially right now an offensive black hole, playing with two other offensive players. And then you look at the back end the blue line and I think Edmete, Weber, Alzner, Petrie, Ben and Davidson, and then Schlemko. None of those guys were there when Bergevin came in. So to look at the yeah. blue line and see how bad it is, that is 100% on Mark Bergevin because he shaped it into the way that he wanted it to be. And he sees that blue line as a blue line that can be successful because they're, they're more safe or conservative when really yeah. that's not always the way to go, especially in today's NHL. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think that he dropped the ball on that one for sure. He got rid of a lot of good pieces. I don't think he he realized what he was doing when he let a lot of these players walk. Like, how do you feel about that Nathan Bullio? Yeah, you know, I, that that trade for a pick. Right, exactly, and that's a that's a seventeenth overall pick that you traded for a third round pick, and yeah, right. And the the argument behind it was, well, this way they won't lose him to Vegas, and they'll be able to protect Jordy Ben. Well, you don't have to protect Jordy Ben. You can protect Nathan Bullio, and then lose Jordy Ben that way. Why does Jordy Ben get? You know, he's he's 30, he's got two more years on his contract, but he is younger, he's in his 20s, and <clears throat> say what you will about his defensive game, and his on-ice goal differential wasn't that far off compared to Shea Weber's, and, right. yeah. and I believe it was Mark Dumont, I don't have the exact statistic here, but more than 50% of the goals that Pacioretty scored came from Markov, Subin, and Beaulieu, and those are yeah. three key pieces to Montreal's blue, that were used to be on Montreal's blue line yeah. that aren't there anymore. And yeah, we spoke about it before as well. Like it, they didn't realize that, but yeah, they were big contributors to, to to our goal scoring. Right. So, I mean, Jordy Ben impressed a lot last year when he came into the playoffs, and I I think he did well in the or maybe not so much the playoffs, but regular season. And then once playoffs came, he seemed okay. But you know, 
Jordy Ben in your lineup, at least in your top four, I don't think that that says much about con- a contending team because, yeah, you yeah. know, I know he gets the reputation of being a conservative, stay-at-home defensive defenseman, but he's he's not that good. He's he's good at clearing the zone, but when you don't have the speed to do that, then you're not going to be successful. And like I said, Bolio got a lot of crap last year and the year before because he turned the puck over and maybe he made a few bad passes, but this was a kid who could skate and he could skate really well and he could still generate offense. And and sometimes players that are that are fast and maybe a little bit more flashy, they are considered defensive liabilities compared to someone who doesn't look as flashy but would spend more time in their defensive zone. If that yeah, makes and sense. I think I think a lot of fans are, are starting to realize that now, especially early in the season, the way Ben has been playing that like I even said it on this podcast that I would prefer Billy O, even with all the mistakes. <laughs> in this lineup uh, as opposed to Ben who just looks like he's skating in cement out there, right? Well, right, of course. Of day, and, and, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, at the end of the day, Bullier's how old is he? He's, what, 24, 25? Yeah, right. I'd much, I, I'd much rather a younger guy who you can still mold into a player that you kind of might want to be in the future rather than a, a 30-year-old guy. Who in, is what he is. Jordy right? Ben, who is what you get what you pay for. Yeah, Right, and of course. Well, and he and overachieved, I believe, last year. Like you're, I think you're really starting to see the real Jordy Ben. Even Jordy though ben? he's been better, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And and he, he, this was a player that sometimes struggled to to play in the top four in Dallas, a, a defense yeah. that really isn't that good. <laughs> and and even I would look back and and the pattern trade. I wouldn't have traded. Like it comes back to not just Bolio, but Greg Pattern. Greg Pattern is not a player I would have traded. And again, this isn't a trade that I'm going to lose sleep over. It didn't make or break the team, but it's a trade that didn't need to be made because Pattern was a guy who stuck with it for 10 years, waiting between Montreal and Toronto to see if he would get his chance. And every single time he did, he played well. But then these narratives come along that, oh, well, Patteron can't make a first pass, and he turns the puck over. During that time that Patteron played, uh, I think it was before he was traded, and then the year before, he had the lowest turnover rate among defensemen. And and the people on RDS and TSN, they just constantly said, well, he can't make a first pass, and he's dangerous in his own zone. He, he was anything but that. And then yeah. you trade him for Jordy Ben because there's the perceived uh, character and grit and all and all those those intangibles that Bergevin likes. Mark Bergevin, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. And you get a player like that. And and I think you're right. He did overachieve. He played he played well coming in before the playoffs. And in the playoffs, you're just too slow. And and you can't be that slow. And you can't be a player like that on a team that's supposed to contend and do well. And we saw them. You know, Jordy Ben's not going to make or break a team, like I said. And I'm not blaming him for their, their failures, but it's just a trade that didn't need to be made, and we see that a lot with Bergevin. I think of the Andre Ghetto trade as well. And yeah, I think that I I kind of rate that as one of his worst trades oh, ever. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, at, at least with the Subin-Weber trade, you still got something back, and, and we can, I don't know, I'm always down to talk about PK, but I know people will, you know, it's it's the time <laughs> to move on, and as much as I don't like <laughs> yeah. that trade, I'm, I'm still, you know, Shoeber's a tremendous hockey player, and I've never tried to take yeah. anything away. I um, wish we could have them both, right? That, that's how I feel. Right, of course. So I, I think the main reason they're struggling right now, as much as Claude Julien's kind of not really made the best decisions in the lineup, I do think the majority of the blame goes to Mark Bergevin. And I don't want to say all the blame goes to Mark Bergevin because when, when the team does well, then I'll have to have to give credit to him, and I have a hard time doing that as it is. Um, yeah. But... You know, this is a general manager that that's paying Carl Alsner almost the same amount as he's paying Alex Galchenyuk, and uh, I have the cap yeah. hit right here. Carl Alsner is getting paid five point six million or four point six million, sorry, and Alex Galchenyuk is getting played 
they're getting paid 4.9 so you know that's a couple hundred thousand dollars in difference carl alzner should not be getting anywhere over two thousand or two million dollars um, yeah, i agree so it's just these contracts that that burge my hands out i don't think he realizes what like he outbidded himself to get Carl Alsner, a player who, yeah, who yeah. definitely, who is essentially a, a Josh George's 2.0 in his prime, which isn't anything to, to get excited about. And they've really kind of, if they didn't sign Carl Alsner, they would have almost at the end of this year with Placanix's contract off the books, they could have almost 14 million, 15 million in space. But you know, it it was lucky for Bergevin that that George McPhee took Alexei Emlin's 4.9. And then he said, oh, well, I have to replace that with another bad contract and handed it over to Carl Alsner, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, terrible. So this is a general manager that I've been really – I've criticized him a lot. And, I, I look, he's made some good moves. But if I were to compare the good moves he's made to the bad moves, the bad ones definitely outweigh. And you look at – you know, this was a team that was desperate for, for scoring goals and they weren't able to do it at all last year. And he – this is a, a GM who brought in Andreas Martinson, Steve Ott, Dwight King – Brandon Davidson and Jordy Ben, and now Ott's yeah. not in the league anymore. Andreas Martinson's not playing in the NHL. Dwight King's in the KHL. Brandonson <laughs> or uh, Brandon Davidson's barely cracking Montreal's really, really, really subpar blue line. And then Jordy Ben, same thing. He's in and out. So those five pieces right. that he he spent a lot of money on or moved a lot of assets for are, are struggling, and some of them aren't even in the league anymore. So yeah. I question the, the, his decision-making, and, and I don't really think he has a clear-cut plan because he'll give opportunities to younger-skilled players such as Jonathan Drouin, but will, won't give the same to someone such as Alex Galchenyuk. So I'm not really yeah. sure if he knows the right way to build a contending team because it's year six now, and the results, the results are really bad. Right, no, I agree with you, and it definitely dates back to uh, before the last trade deadline. I wasn't too critical. Like we've already rated some of the moves he made. Like a lot of them were okay, nothing amazing. But coming back to that last trade deadline, coming into this season, I think it just it just he 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 dropped the ball big time. Yeah, he's definitely dropped the ball. I mean, okay, so moving on here, do, did you like? Do you think the Habs though now watching them in their last two games that they're finally on the right track? Yes and no. Um, yes, because Charles Houdon, Arturi Lackanen, and those younger guys who have a lot of skill and who can put the puck in the net and will be really helpful for Montreal's secondary scoring, they're starting to get confidence. And I, I think confidence is something that people undermine a lot. Um, we see it with Alex Galchenyuk often. And Houdon scoring and Lackanen scoring, it's, it's kind of it's unleashing them throughout the season. Like last year, Lekkonen scored two goals in his first almost 20 games and then finished the season with almost 20 goals. So sometimes it just takes right. some time. And and like I said, I don't think Montreal is as bad as their record shows because they have a lot of good things going for them. They have some tremendous forwards with a lot of skill who can put the puck in the net. And the way Julian's doing it is he's, he's giving them a balanced lineup where every line can score. You have yeah. Galchenyuk, you have Drouin, you have Paul Byron, who scored 22 goals. You have Max Pacioretty. Philip Deneau is is trending in the right direction. Uh, Charles Houdon, um, Brendan Gallagher, all these players. So I think kind of once they get that first one off their chest, throw the monkey off their back, then they'll be able to score more goals. And I think Houdon and Lekkonen moving forward, we'll, we'll see them putting the puck in there a little bit more often. And I think that they will win a few, and they're only – Four or six points out of a wild card spot, so 
you know, to change this yeah, perspective I mean, a little bit. Um, it's not. It's it's still early, and uh, I mean, it's good that they're finally getting on the on the right foot here, and that that kind of leads into the next yeah, question we wanted to ask, right? Patrick, um, how do you feel about the line combinations? Like, do you like them? Do you not like them? If you don't like them, <clears throat> sorry, what would you change about them? Uh, well, I think you guys probably guessed my answer. Gauchenek on the fourth line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, what is going on? What more can you ask for him? from him if, yeah. you, if you're Julian yeah, we I mean, just said, talked about it earlier as well we said like come on what else you want him to do he deserves top line minutes. right exactly Give it to him and, and this is I think I, I like what Julian's doing and the way that he's balancing it out and honestly at first I didn't like Byron and Lekkonen playing with Jonathan Drouin but that's a line that's playing really well as for yeah, Patrick with, no, with Dano and Shaw players like that who maybe aren't the same sort of tier one scorers he does well with them, and we saw him do well with Deherney more than he does well with someone such as Juan or Galchenyuk and players like that. Um, yeah, it's weird. So I, I like it right now, but the only thing I would really change is I would keep those two lines intact that I mentioned, Patrick, Dino, Shaw, Lekin, and Julian Byron. And then Brendan Gallagher and Charles Houdon are playing with Thomas Blacanics, who is essentially like an offensive black hole, and he there's not even a, any smidge of, of offensive ability in his game. I would put Galchenyuk between those guys drop Placanix to the fourth line and put him with McCarron and, and Mitchell or Sherbach or one of those guys. But overall, I think it's okay, but Galchenyuk has to get off the fourth line because this is a player that honestly has just been treated so unfairly since since he came in in 2012 by coaches and and, and management and, and being called out. And it's it's not fair to him. And, and this is a player who, who, when given the opportunity, can score. And exactly. you look at last yeah. year when, or two years ago, when it was like the last 17 games and Galchenyuk played center. Uh, he tallied 14 goals in the last 16 games. And then up until he was injured in LA last season, he was 14th in league scoring, 5th among all NHL centers, 11th in points per game, and 10th per even strength. And those are like elite, elite numbers that yeah, a, yeah. a first People line... People don't realize... Pardon me? He's more effective. He's more effective at center. I don't know why they're not looking into these numbers. Right. That's where he belongs. In, in that in that stint of the last bit of the 15-16 season, um, and then last year, that's 35 points in 40 games. You know, so yeah. why they put him at the wing, some people say, well, he's not good defensively. Well, you know what? DeHarnay was, was way worse defensively, and he got twice as much ice time. So I don't think he's bad defensively. I don't think it's because – well. People are saying it could be because of his face-off percentage, but I think that's a lame excuse. And I think when you're taking a face-off in the offensive zone, if they absolutely have to win it, then they'll send Andrew Shaw out there. But there's nothing wrong right, with putting yeah. Galchenyuk, who maybe is, what, in the 30 or 40% range, um, midway through the game to take a face-off. That's not going to hurt him. It's not going to hurt hurt the team either. So the number one thing that I am not impressed with, and as much as I, I, I think Claude Julien's an excellent coach and a great communicator and, and, and smart um, the way he's handled Galchenyuk, I, the, the one player I thought would benefit the most from the coaching change was Galchenyuk. And the way he's been handled, I, 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 I'm not impressed. And I think mm-hmm. um, he said that, yeah, Galchenyuk scored, but the effort isn't there. Well, now he's putting the effort in and he's scoring. You know, what more can you ask for him? He's playing with Michael McCarron, who I'm not even sure will be an impact NHLer. I don't even, I'm not even sure if he's an NHLer. And then Tori Mitchell, who I think his time, his time is about, it's expiring. Yeah. So... 
to answer, I, you know, I love that idea. I really love that idea of of putting him as the third line center and getting Plakanich on the fourth line. But it's not yeah. going to happen. I don't know why. And, and and why is it that two coaches have done the same thing? They've just decided that he's going to be a winger. Like it's making me think that this is coming from somewhere else. Like Mark Bergevin has said, no, he's playing wing. Like and he's kind of like trumping the coach's decision here. That that's how I'm feeling now because why two coaches in a row come in and they're both just sticking them on the wing when there's really no proof to show that he's not an effective centerman it's actually the opposite he is good at center he's better at center yeah there's there's really you know, doesn't that raise questions yeah and, and this isn't something that's necessarily subjective and and to say like, oh, well i think he's more productive at on wing he's not more productive at wing and statistics and evidence and raw data can show you yeah. that so I'm not sure why. I maybe there's it, the, the what they did in in 2014 is they gave him 10 games, and or 11 games, and in he got nine points in 11 games and recorded his first career hat trick at center. He had a rough start or a rough end of that where he didn't play the best defensively and Terry put him on the wing for the rest of the season. And yeah. you know don't give him five yeah. games, don't give him 10 games, give him 20, give him 30 games. And it was, I think it was Kyle from uh, Eyes on the Prize who tweeted, imagine if Gauchenik, when he was 18 or 19, was just put as a centerman and stayed there up until now, how dominant he would be. But it was too much sort of back and forth. And look, I'm all for, for properly developing rookies. And, and I think you put someone on the on the wing with Thomas Bocanics when they're 19, maybe to learn, a, learn the feel for the game, learn how to play defensively. But then after that, give them an mm-hmm. opportunity you know, there's nothing to lose in giving a young kid with that much skill an opportunity, you know, to play center, to learn the way. But it was just sort of, well, we'll give you a, f- a few games, and, and if you play well defense or play poorly defensively, you're going to go back on the wing. And now he's there. And I think just at this point, it does seem, I agree, I, I do think Mark Bergevin it makes a lot of the decisions, and I think... Uh, I do. Because I, I, it was mm-hmm. Claude Julien said, yeah, I, I believe he'll be playing wing. And it didn't. He didn't say I'm going to put him at wing. He said I believe he'll be playing wing. And Mark Bergevin said, Yeah, we're going to put Gautchenek at wing. Why is Mark Bergevin making that call? Yeah, you know, exactly. So, I I don't know. I think Montreal would <clears throat> would be better off if Gautchenek was at center because him on the wing, and you only have Jonathan Drouin, who still, in my opinion, may not be a number one center, but still sort of early to tell. After that, you have Dano, Placanics, and Mitchell. And it, you know, you win them, you have good centermen and you can do well. And Mal Montreal has one good player who might be a centerman and then a bunch of third and fourth line centers. So if they put Galchenyuk behind Drouet and then you put maybe Jacob De La Rose as your third and then Placanix as your fourth and Mitchell can sit up in the press box, that's depth on the wings yeah. and, and down the middle. So I, why they haven't tried that, I really don't know. But I think at this point, they're just fed up with how, how many times he's gone back and forth. And they've just said, you know what, we're going to put you on the wing, deal with it. Um, you're still going to score, you're just not going to score as much. And I guess they're sacrificing his offense um, so he can learn to play the right way. Yeah, yeah, you know what, that's great insight. And on ending off here, we want to ask you one more question. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yesterday, Carey Price uh, ended up sitting the game, and Montoya ended up getting the start. Do you think uh, perhaps Carey Price sitting that game yesterday, do you think that might be beneficial for him? For him or for the team? For, for both, 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 in all honesty, in in regards to Price's confidence and in regards to the success of the team, I think Price sitting makes the team in front of him. It 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 either works as Price sitting, and then all the flaws with this team are exposed, or Price sits and the team plays really well. There's never really mm-hmm. an in between. 
Um, I think last night was one of the situations where Price wasn't playing, and Montreal. You know, when your when your best player is playing, you can rest on your laurels and kind of say, "Oh, well, Carey will make the save," and he hasn't done that at all. And Carey Price has not been a number one goalie so far this season. And I think no. sitting him, I don't think it's going to hurt his confidence. I think it gives him a night off. And and this is a a player mm-hmm. who in 20, 2014, he played way too much going into that that playoff series yeah, against Ottawa yeah, and Tampa. Agreed. And Montoya is a really, really, really good backup, and there's nothing wrong with playing him one night or two nights in a row. Um, so I think it's good for Carey Price's confidence because he, he, well, I think he's also a father, right? And I know people tend to forget yeah. about that, but he has a kid and he has a family, and I'm sure yeah. there are more sleepless nights I've mentioned for him. it on the pod. I said, you know what? I think he's staying up late. The baby's keeping him up or something. Maybe that's what's messing right. up his game no, right No, of now. course, and I think people <laughs> should realize that. Like, There's going to be a lot of sleepless nights for him where it, it's going to be difficult, and there's nothing wrong with, with playing him or, or sitting him and giving Montoya the, the start because Montoya is a really, also a really good goaltender um, who can play well. So I think it's good for Carey Price's confidence, and I think it gives him some time to relax and not stress about the game. And we've seen when he does get some rest, he comes back, he usually is in better shape, and he plays well. Yeah. And I think it's good for the yeah. team as well so they can realize, okay, well, Kerry's not going to be playing as much. It's up to us to play better and chip in yeah. a little bit more offensively. And uh, we spoke about this earlier, too, on our uh, previous segment. How, how important do you think this next start is for Price here at Minnesota? I think it's very important. I think every I think every game, every start's important for any goalie or any player. And, and I think... I think it's either going to be Price's lights out or he's just as bad as he was earlier on where he lets in a few bad ones. I think the last time they played in Minnesota, it was like a 7-1 win for them. He doesn't usually mm-hmm. do well at West, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But this one is crucial for the team because we saw the game in Ottawa with the 8-3 score. Everyone was playing well. Jordy Ben played well yeah. as much as we as much we talked about him earlier. Jordy Ben played well. Yeah, All four lines played well. <laughs> what a pass! I don't know where he he learned how to yeah, do that. I, know. I don't think you'll see too many of those. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's important, um, definitely. And I think I think it'll go well or or really really poorly. I don't think it'll be close. I think Price. We've seen there's never really oh he played okay. It's either he played really well or he let a lot of bad ones in. So it's important. And I think as I was saying, the start in uh, Ottawa where they're trending in the right direction. Players who weren't uh, who had a slower start started to play better. And if if the forwards play the way they played in Ottawa and the defensemen sort of relaxed a little bit, then I, th- I think they'll be fine. I think they'll win. Awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. You know what, Pat? Thank you so much for yeah, this. man. Great insight. And you're definitely going to be a regular guest on the show. Oh, perfect. Thank you. We definitely want to hear what you want to say more often. And, uh, yeah, thanks again. No problem, this. guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so thanks to our guest again, Mr. Patrick Talon. Yeah, smart guy. Yeah, very, very. We're definitely, we're definitely gonna have him on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you know what time it is now? It's time for Gibby a fact. What do you got for us? All right, boys and girls, you guys ready for this? Okay, so first one uh, it's just a little stat here that I saw. It's uh, with the loss to L.A. last week. Uh, the Habs are off to their worst start since 1941. But guess what, guys? Have no fear. The Habs are on a two-game winning streak right there now. There you go. So <laughs> that all goes out to win and out that the is, window. That's facts. That's a fact. Okay. This next one, uh, completely, uh, it's sport, a little bit of sports related. Saw something interesting. Uh, the Grand Canyon can hold around 900 trillion footballs in it. 
What do you think of that? Wow. Yeah, that's crazy stuff, that, man. That is, that's, <laughs> that is interesting. That's a lot of damn footballs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what time it is now. Moving right into it, it's the news. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first stat of news, uh, Mr. If you guys didn't watch the game yesterday, Mr. Charles Houdon notched his first and second career goals in the NHL. Congrats, bud. Congrats, Charlie. I expect more where that came from. Yes, we do. All right, moving on. Uh, yesterday, amongst all the excitement of uh, of all the eight goals we got, uh, a man was seen being escorted out of the arena after pulling out his junk in excitement. <laughs> Apparently. He celebrated a little bit too hard on the fourth goal. He whipped it right out, turned around, and tried to dip it in the lady's beer behind him. <laughs> uh, little crazy this guy, stuff. This clearly, guy was having a real good time. Yeah, clearly, he was uh, he was hammered. And at that point, it was still a close game. It was yeah. only four. Like it became what four two four yeah, three something like that. Uh, man, <laughs> talk about jumping those, the gun. It's those buy one get the rest half off promotion <laughs> they got going on. The guy was too hammered. <laughs> Um, in other Habs news, though, Martin Reway and the Habs decided to part ways and terminate his contract. Uh, Reway is headed back to uh, Europe. Uh, hey, lots of promise. He was supposed to be a good prospect. It never panned out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I had high hopes for him, but the injury and all that stuff. Hopefully he, he finds, uh, you know, he finds his game or just, you know, good luck to him and whatever he decides to do in the future. Yeah. Lastly, for the Habs news, uh, Nikita Sherback underwent successful knee surgery. He's expected to be out six weeks. Now, moving on to a little bit of... Poor Nikita, man. He was... Yeah. Nikita, oh, Nikita. He looked good. Man, it, it, that's sad. It really is sad. He he did look really good. I'm very, very upset about that. Yeah. Now, a little bit of other hockey news. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes got their first win of the season boom, against the Philadelphia Congrats. Flyers. Congrats. That's yeah. big news. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's uh, a huge deal. Newly acquired Scott Wedgwood got the win. I mean, <laughs> hey. <man. laughs> Scott, Scott, Scott Wedgie. Wedgwood. He's Canadian, isn't he? He's a good old Canadian boy. I'm pretty yeah, sure he played so, for yeah. the junior Canadian team. I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Okay. Vegas Golden Knights' Vadim Shipsheyev has decided to head back to Russia after being suspended for failing to report to the club's AHL affiliate. It's expected he'll be put on unconditional waivers, which he has already done, and his contract will be terminated once he is cleared in the waiver process. Has he cleared in the waiver process yet? Do you know? Uh, I think it's a two-day or yeah. three-day thing, right? No, he did. He's, he's, okay, so he's gone. He's See gone. you later. Thanks, Forget about bud. it. See you later, bud. That's old uh, news now. He's gone. Yeah. Andrea Vasilevsky. Uh, matches the record for the most single-season wins in October with 10 wins. So far wow. this season, yeah. So far this season, he's posted a 10-1-0 record with a 2.46 goals against average and 9.27 save percentage. Vasilevsky, yeah, been very impressive. Very impressed with him. Yes. Now, moving on to football. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's hearing was yesterday at 4 p.m., and news broke late last night that the suspension was back into place, back and forth. It's yeah. unknown whether or not Zeke is going to is looking to file another injunction, but for my sake and my fantasy team's sake, keep on filing, my boy. Yeah, keep <laughs> on filing for real, because my team that started off zero and five is starting to win. Yeah, giving a little playoff push. So please come back, Zeke. Yes, yeah, sir. 
That's everything for the All news right. there. That's great. Well, what about the Buffalo Bills acquiring okay, uh, know, wide receiver Kelvin okay, Benjamin? Fine, what, fine, you, you hate that? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I had a little <laughs> bit of long news, so I didn't include the last two. So the NFL trade deadline was today at 4 p.m., and big splashes were the Eagles and the Bills. And which are our favorite teams. Our fa- I'm the Eagles, Eagles fan. I'm the Bills. Because I'm smart. So, hey, huge. Uh, yeah, so Eagles traded uh, the – in whoa. A 2018, <laughs> a 2000, they end the uh, the 2018 fourth rounder for Pro Bowl Pro Bowl running back JJ, and Buffalo made a splash as well, acquiring wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin for Benjamin. a third for a third rounder and a seventh rounder. Atta boy, Bills, they're going yeah. for the push. Yes, they are, and that's it for the Habs uh, for the Habalissa news. There, <laughs> I'm Phil Andrade, aka Gibby. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm jumping straight into the Rocket Report. Rocket de Laval. So the Laval Rocket lose 5-2 and 4-3 against the Rochester Americans in a home-and-home series last week. But they're able to grind out a 3-2 win over the rival Marlies on Saturday. Daniel Carr gets two quality goals in this one. He now has six goals, four assists on the season. But it's very apparent that the Rocket are hurting after losing Sherback and McCarron. Also, Charlie Lindgren is still fighting it, but looks like he's slowly starting to find his game. The Rocket are now 5-3 and three on the season. They will play the Marlies tomorrow night in Laval. Chris Terry has six goals, five assists, and is tied for the team lead with Matt Termina, who has one goal and ten assists. Both have 11 points on the year. Hopefully, these two can lead them to another win over the Marlies. And you know what time it is. Weekly Sports Picks. Weekly Sports Picks. Weekly. (laughs) (laughs) The hell was that? Oh, man. It was a bad week for me. Speak for yourself. I'm 2-0 again, bud. I came out the gate flying. I was 4-0. And now I'm 500. And it doesn't feel good. You know, I've been putting my faith... And like I, I don't know why I'm just stubborn. I thought Edmonton's gonna pull it together. They didn't. They lost five two. I thought they were gonna win five four. I was wrong. Then I said, you know what? Arizona's gotta win sometime. They did, but not on Saturday. One game a little <laughs> so, early. So yeah, they. I said they would win four three. They lost four three. So. That puts me at four and four. All right. Well, like I said, I'm two and zero again. That's back to back two and O's. Wow. Um, wow. So yeah, I chose Columbus over Winnipeg, three two. I was wrong, but I was right. <laughs> uh, Columbus en- ended up winning an OT two one. Uh, I chose Anaheim to beat Tampa Bay two one. Uh, Anaheim ended up uh, doubling up and went four one. So two and zero on that on this week. Uh, total five and three. Right now, I'm in first place in the long-legged race. Yes, it's he's five and three. I'm four and four, but it ain't over. It ain't, it ain't over, over until the fat lady sings at, in playoffs for the Habs. <laughs> oh man, you can't can't play Jeanette like that. Come on, she's that's a, mean. That, that's not I mean. love Jeanette. She's got wow, great vocal cords. All right, so I'm going this week. I need to bounce back here. So. I'm going with, again, I don't know why I continue to do this, but I, I just, I'm feeling it. The Rangers are going to beat the Floridians, oh, the Florida wow. Panthers. Yeah, because you know what? I felt like we broke our losing streak against Florida. It seems like Florida is that team now who, uh, you know, will break people's losing streaks. So I'm going 4-3 Rangers against Florida. 
Wow. And then I got <laughs> Buffalo in Dallas Saturday night as well. I got Dallas winning this one 5-3. I'm not stupid. Okay. <laughs> I'm not choosing Buffalo. So 4-3 Rangers, 5-3 Dallas. Let's get back in the winning column. Okay. So um, w- this is the first time ever that we've actually picked the same game. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of a wash game. Um, but yeah, I chose New York to beat Florida for two. Okay. That's so, okay. I mean, okay. the only, w- the only way that, uh, one of us can gain an extra point on that is if we get the score right. That's fine. Yeah. There's no rule against choosing the same game cause we do not consult with each other but before. It's, yeah. So it's, it's pretty fine. funny. It's pretty funny how this is the first week that we actually picked the same game. It's the first time. Uh, so yeah, that's the first game for two New York over Florida. And then I, I'm taking Boston over Vegas. They play Thursday, 3-1. Boston over Vegas, 3-1. All right. All right. I'll take it. All righty then. Okay, so you're kind of choosing an easy game there, right? Because Vegas is hurting. Hey, man, I got to pat my stats. Pat my There's no stats. rules here. There's no rules. So you know what? I like, to, I like to take the hard route. That's just the type of, that just uh, you know, speaks to my character. And you like the easy route. That's just the way it is. That's just Thanks, guys. That's another episode of Have a Listen. Thank you to Patrick Talon again for being a special guest. Thank you. Smart guy. I like that oh, guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. All right. See y'all next week. Go, go. No, you should know.